0: What does that defeat to Wales mean for Irish rugby? Why is this team so inconsistent? And are we even as good as we think we are? What needs to change to stop England winning the Grand Slam in Dublin? It's all coming up on The Hard Yards.
1: The Hard Yards, brought to you by Ladbrokes, passionate about sport. With fantastic support, half of Ireland were here. The rest of them are hopefully smiling (laughs) at home. We had a bet earlier in the year, 20 euros, that if we won it I wouldn't cry but... It's uh, the best 20-year quid I'll ever spend.
2: He's Ashley. Well, he picks it up quickly and off he goes. Drops it off the hitcher. Robbie
3: Hitcher scores it. Rugby history. Ireland beat the All Blacks for the first time.
0: Welcome along to the Hard Yards. My name is Andy McGee. I'm joined in studio today by former Ireland and Leinster man Kevin McLaughlin. Hey, Andy. And Donegal Callahan is on the line. Hi Andy. How are you? I'm good. Well, I was better until Friday night but anyway uh, we'll get to that later on the show we'll hear from Joe Schmidt and Rory Best as well as getting the latest betting odds from Ladbrokes Haley O'Connor Make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get it sent to your phone. The minute we post a new episode, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher and other Android apps. But first, Kevin, welcome back. You've been far, far away in South Africa.
1: I have. I'm back to a beautiful and rainy Dublin. Uh, it was, t- it's taken a little bit of adaptation this week. I, I believe I missed a couple of storms ago gone a couple of letters along the alphabet in terms of storms while I was away. Yeah. But uh, I'm not too sorry to miss that. But uh, it's good to be back in the studio here. So what were you doing? I was in South Africa, um, drinking wine and swimming with sharks. So, uh, I had a wonderful time. That's good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an amazing place. Actually, it's got it all. It's got the wine, the food, the people, the value. Incredible weather. Um, I definitely recommend it as a holiday destination. Yeah. What was the shark thing like?
4: You gotta save yourself a fortune and come down to the train.
1: Say again, brothers.
4: I said it sounds just like Cork. You just saved yourself a fortune and just got the train down swimming with sharks drinking wine heaven
1: yeah yeah 32 degrees down here today yeah I believe so yeah uh, it would be, it'd be a slightly shorter flight down there anyway but uh, no it's a great place the, yeah. the swim with sharks was an experience I uh, decided I wanted to do to it after speaking to the Irish lads who did it while they were on tour and seen a couple of their Twitter videos and and uh, I've always been terrified of sharks, so I thought I'd just embrace it. Really, Uh, I took my wife into the water with me. She really, really hated every last second of it. Um, But it's funny like we, arrived, we we docked the boat about kind of 200 metres from this kind of seal island it's called and apparently there's 10 to 40 great whites in the bay at all time because of this seal island they're all kind of circling it so we docked the anchor and uh, the boat and within I'd say a minute and a half there was a 3.5 metre great white just circling the boat with its fin out of the water like literally like the movies like Jaws and I was kind of looking down at it and there was 12 of us on the boat so it was two groups of six had to go into the water and um so the guy asked, right, who wants to go in first? And me and Kate were literally hiding down the back of the boat saying there, like pointing at everyone else and then we realised it was a family of five that wanted to go together. So they were like, Who hasn't put up their hand yet? And me and Kate still pointing at other people. We realised we had to go in first so it's pretty terrifying. I jumped in was fine but then just as Kate was getting in uh, she kind of hung her her foot over the water I was like come on get in get in this massive great white came out of the water with its jaws up and she started shaking like didn't want to get in and that kind of ruined the experience for her I think but uh, no it's incredible being so close to those animals yeah get that's standard fare off Skipperine isn't it?
4: honest with you, I think you're I think Kate's dead right. There is no way in the world I even dipped my toe. <laughs> if the boat was out there, I'd be gone. I just I don't get it. I don't get these kind of bungee jumping, um, kind of swimming with sharks, petting lines, just madness stuff that it always seems to follow rugby tours around and I'm always looking at the lads just going, absolute idiots. So You'd be on the top dummy. of
1: the boat sunbathing, there that's the issue. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yes, exactly, that's where I'd be. But, yeah, like, I just don't get the risk in swimming with a shark, you know what I mean? I'd pet a puppy or a cat, you know, fair enough, but you know, sharks, leave them alone, you know? We're not meant to be uh, hanging around with them.
0: So this is basically, we're just stretching this by not wanting to talk about the Ireland-Wales game, so we probably have to. Um, 22-9 there's been a lot of talk of giving it a go just falling short but um, was the performance actually good enough out there Kev?
1: Uh, it wasn't uh, if you lose the game your performance isn't good enough and that's how the guys judge themselves that's how Joe is judged and judges himself um, they expect to win every time they go out I mean they beat the All Blacks in November uh, they know they can beat any team on paper they're better than Wales there's no doubt they went into that game expecting to win but at the end of the day they didn't do enough and uh You know, when I look at that game and I look at the the England-Wales game in Cardiff about three or four weeks before, very, very similar shape. Like, Wales came out without a huge amount of creativity or without a huge amount of purpose, but actually just with ferocity... Um, and aggression and making it incredibly difficult to play they went after Ireland's line out they went after Ireland's rook and they just made it tricky for Ireland to play and um, Ireland maybe just didn't have that winning habit when it came to the last 20 because they had plenty of opportunities to win but, but just didn't take them
0: get from your point of view was this a matter of just small margins here or was there something down about that performance?
4: Yeah, no. I think of a small margins. I, I, I would love to run it by Roy Keane and give it. Were we just unlucky and see how oh, that sits with someone like him? But I actually think it just mad thing to say, and I know, look, you'd be critical of performance, but we didn't kind of get the rub of the green either in that game. And um, you need it sometimes in big games. I did think before the game that Wales's want to win was greater. And I was at Noam Williams' lunch in in Wales on, on Thursday before that, and I met Adam Wynne-Jones, um, Sam Walburton and, and Dan Bigger. And all three of them looked ill. They looked sick. They looked like for two weeks they had been carrying around uh, goals with them. You know, it was just incredible to see their faces and how it, you could just tell that they had to win. And you know, my opinion kind of changed after seeing them because I knew the Irish lads knew. Uh, you know, it was going to be a tough day, but you know, it's the equivalent of um, Kil, uh, say Kilkenny losing to. At the Scarlets in Hurling and Crow Park you know, it's the only way I could describe it, it is their national sport, you, you hear Howley speaking afterwards and all the words he was using were emotional you know, hurt, honesty, pride yeah, and and that was what was driving them that weekend And I think if it's worth watching back the last 20 minutes of that game and we had real chances but things like Robbie's incident Jack dropping the ball the knock on that led to a penalty for Keane catching the ball in front of of uh, Keith. I think, if anything, everyone's been really harsh on that. Teams of us worked out, but I think we nearly overplayed. You know, that scrum on the 70. 70- Fourth minute, like our scrum was dominant. I thought we should have just kept going, try to get a penalty try. It was that type of a game, and that's my only criticism of the game. I thought sometimes away from home, like we said before, and against Italy, and it came off for us. That kind of scoreboard pressure. I think early in the game, there you take your points. We were, we were putting it in the corner, and um, you know, even late in the game, going for, you know push-overs, are sorry trying to play when we could, you know, try to milk penalties. And uh, you know, I thought it. I thought we were unlucky. I thought we were unlucky. But um, yeah, it was a disappointing one. It really was.
0: So Wales had to win. I suppose you could say that Ireland had to win too to set up next weekend, which isn't as important anymore in in, in many ways. Um, A lot of people have said they talk about variation in attack. I suppose there's a a theme of the one-out runners, etc. We have a clip of Joe Schmidt at the post-match press conference addressing this.
5: I think for us, we'll look at the performance more than the result and say, in the performance, the seven line breaks we did make, how did we create those? Did we play with width? I I don't think anyone can say that we didn't play with width. I, I think at times... In the uh, in the 22, some of the ball was very slow. It, it makes it very hard, particularly once you get into the 22 and you get slowed down. Um, you know, I think there was a, a period where we we were playing quite close, and uh, we picked up our third penalty in, in about a, a five-minute period, uh, five meters out from the line. That's when. You know, we went back to the line-out, uh, or, or we actually went and took the three points, but we'd gone back to the line-out before that. And uh, when you don't convert those, it's, it's, it is very tough. And it, it starts to, I think for players, they start to feel pressure themselves and they, they start to get a little bit tense and potentially don't play with the same freedom. But uh, looking across the stats in the game, it, it's actually incredibly even
0: so that's Joe Schmidt talking after the game Um, is this Kev is this a a real lack of creativity or something that's perceived because Ireland aren't scoring tries
1: yeah one of the things Joe said there resonated with me where you, you, you make a decision as a group to kick to the corner and that can either have an amazingly galvanating effect where you score and you convert or you mess up the line out and everyone's questioning themselves for the next five minutes and no matter how much you kind of put out of your head that does have an impact and it builds pressure and you begin trying to force things and I think if you look back at Ireland and the games where they've scored lots of tries and where there's been lots of creativity, you'll see that their attacking platform is based off line-out and incredible level of accuracy and detail. And in both facets, they failed at the weekend. Um, And the creativity that comes from Ireland's attack stem from those two things. Um, And I think, having said all that, they still created enough chances to win the game. Um, they had opportunities to win the game even without their two main uh, attacking platforms firing or their two main facets firing and um, I don't think I think if if Rory Best had scored that try without obviously Robbie didn't need to come in in front of him. That's he'd a great game I thought Robbie, but that was a bad mistake to make. Everyone will admit that. But I mean Rory Best scores there, and I don't think we're having a conversation about creativity. We're talking about the whatever ten tries we scored against Italy, and you know some of the great attacking rugby against France and the number of offloads. But Wales did a great job of constricting us as well. Mm. Like they're very very physical. England weren't creative in Cardiff. <laughs> England were one out runners and. Now Nathan yeah. Hughes got bashed about 25 times and I remember everyone saying geez England looked really poor but like it's hard to be creative and throw offloads when against Welsh when you've got like Warburton and, and, and the other back rowers and, and Alan Wynne-Jones in your face smothering you all the time the crowd smothering you the pressure building it's not an easy scenario but like the inaccuracies cost you in those games and, that, and that's why we didn't win
0: yeah, I suppose it might, you might point wider than that game. So if you take out the nine tries Ireland scored against Italy, you're looking at three tries against Scotland, one try against France for all of that good play, and none against Wales. So anything else apart, it does seem to be you're not winning test matches if you score that few tries.
1: Yeah, you're not going to win a test match with nine points. No. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, and this team put 40 points in the All box. Yeah, this team put 40 points to the All Blacks and put 65 in, albeit Italy, and know how to score points. And there's a lot of great attacking talent there. Mm. Um, but like I said, their game and their attack is is kind of based on the premise that they're going to have a really stable and solid line-out yeah. and that they're going to be really accurate and not make mistakes. And Joe focuses on that a lot. And I think confidence comes from that. And then the offloads start to come. Then you start to get over the gain line when you go through phases. Like Ireland are a good phase team. Um, they keep the ball well and they build pressure and they score from that but if you're knocking the ball on after five or six phases it absolutely kills you and um, I I I actually think Ireland's tactics and Ireland's uh, game plan worked Um, The plan was to put the ball up on Halfpenny and George North, which they did to great effect for the whole game. They got balls back from it, but they didn't execute when they got the ball back. And Mm. that's what really hurt, is that the game plan was there and the game plan was effective, but the execution wasn't.
0: So, Dunningham, right now, if you're looking at targeting Ireland for the next game, is it England shuts down, Ireland's line out and make hay? Is it that simple?
4: I, 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 I'd I be honest I'd look at ourselves I I, really, I agree with G. I, my biggest query and it's even been since the Italian game which went our way I just you look at France, Italy yesterday France away from home you take your points when they're on offer and I, I just don't think we're you know maybe I'd question the leadership within scoreboard pressure just to get 3, 6, 9 get clear and then, then they're chasing the game a bit more we, like I, I think we turned down points early in the game that I thought we should have knocked over, and I agree with the lads. You know, I know everyone's uh, questioning um, the patterns and plays, and our our Ireland creative. I actually question are the lads fresh. I, I I thought an awful lot of our key players looked flat. And I think it's a massive ask, the way rugby has gone, even since we tugged out, to ask players to go a whole six nations playing five massive, intense games like that. And, you know, I'm a massive fan of Jamie, but you just look at, you know, his performance. It's because Jamie does every training session, every game. I can only compare it to what we did. And when you look at the Grand Slam year, that Scottish game... You know, Declan Kidney used his squad that game and had everyone, you know, fighting and competing for places for the rest of it. It also gave a chance to freshen up some key players who came back the next week and felt like they really had to put in a massive performance so I think the Scotland match was a kick up the ass but my only thing I'd question is did we use the squad as effectively as we could have you you look at it now have we used John Ryan? Niles Gannel you know you look at the whole back row with the exception of Pete and maybe You know, we haven't used a whole lot of a squad this year and it's a massive ask to ask guys to go in week in, week out, do massive 80-minute slots. And I thought, to be fair, when Marnian came on, I I just think he, he, he probably lacked the intensity of Six Nations. I thought he played really well, but I think he could have benefited from being used earlier on within the Six Nations. And I think that was the one to do with. Hindsight's a great thing. And look, it's easy to... Show from you know from outside but you know looking back now I wonder could we have used the squad more against Italy
1: It's certainly one of the things Joe used to do for Lanster is he like, uh, you had six European Cup games in, in the group, and uh, he used to uh, change the team pretty much every single game. So make three or four changes. Johnny and stuff would all start. You have kind of four or five pillars, and you mm-hmm. build around that. And he used to mix it around. I think international rugby is a little bit different. You think you have to be careful about making changes. Uh, England haven't really changed their team. They've made a couple of small changes, and it hasn't impacted on them. But it's an interesting point, Donners, because... Yeah bringing in someone like Marmion and maybe a couple other people at the last minute that Wales didn't expect might have just changed things up a little bit it's like
0: why why isn't Joe doing that is it because of that loss to Scotland that suddenly you're under pressure um, and you know we need to win as opposed to we need to try to play
4: And he's seen them day in day out and maybe they're not putting their hand up and training for him you know the the coach reflects on training, and if you train well enough and if you perform well enough with your province you you put your hand up, but you know I think he, he's the inside track on who's going well, but for me, when you see someone like Craig Gilroy come on and have an impact like he did against Italy and then to be out of the squad. You just I know if I'm subbing in that position I think no matter what you do you might not break into this team and that's not a healthy way for a squad to go around and the only ones we can compare it to is England at the moment you know I, I chatted to Ben Teo during the week he was left out of the squad and I said you know obviously you're disappointed you know the Italy game cost you and he's there no not at all you know we're in this together and hopefully I get more game time I'm going to get 20 minutes against Scotland and I'm quite clear in my role in it, so I, I, the way rugby's gone, you're not going to make it through with 18 players and unfortunately, like maybe like Scotland, maybe we don't have the strength and depth and maybe that's why Joe has to pick those guys week in, week out, you know, people question the RFU with with uh, on PNR's decision but, you know, it makes complete sense when you look at, you know, Saturday, we need competition in that place, you know, because, under Conor Murray, is is, is it really a, a dogfight to to tug out? And during the case of a massive championship like the Six Nations, you need a competitive squad.
0: Well, it did seem weird how long Murray was kept on, on one wing when you're a scrum half. So there was a, a stinger injury.
1: So, Kev, in your experience, these things can ease out a bit? Yeah, I've unfortunately I had plenty of stingers on my career I'm sure Dunners has as well and uh, generally you shake them off and it can take 3 minutes or it can take 20 minutes but as a player you know the power is going to come back to your arm um, and that's what you're telling the medics and it's very hard for the medics to assess you so you're kind of relying on what the player says to you to a certain extent I think giving them to the half time definitely made sense and then if if he's saying to the medics at half time that the power is back it's hard for them to prove otherwise It just
0: it looked really odd if you're if you're a marmion on the bench and you're supposed to be up to test match rugby standard and you're looking at essentially a one armed scrum half out there mm. who can't pass properly that that tells
1: you something. Yeah, it does. It's slightly different, though, because if he'd broken his arm, then, it, then he'd be like, Jesus, what have I got to do? He's got to break his neck for me to get on here. But it was a stinger, and Marmion would have been told that, that it was a stinger, and Marmion knows what a stinger is, that the power will come back to the arm eventually. But, yeah, like, hindsight's great. We can all say, oh, Joe should have pulled him straight off, but, like, he's been Ireland's most important player yeah last he's, he, he's kind of good so they, they were going to give him to half time which I think was reasonable he probably shouldn't have come out for the second half though
0: yeah looking back isn't great <laughs> um, so we're looking forward now and now the stated goal uh, of Ireland is to finish in the top half of the Six Nations and we have clip of, uh, of Joe Schmidt going through that with us
5: you can wallow in your own self-pity or you can try to build from this and with what we've got coming up next week we can't afford to wallow for too long Um, it's still a a huge opportunity for us we can still finish in the top half of the six nations and uh, that's still something that's um, incredibly important to us and that's that's what we've got to turn the page to now unfortunately it it means that we we are no longer in the hunt to, to win the championship
0: so what do you reckon, Dunnock? If I brought uh, if I brought Roy Keane in here and asked him, so you know, your goal now is to finish in the top half of a six team table. What do you reckon?
4: Yeah, well, I think he's just been honest and upfront about it. You know, he has been one hundred percent realistic. That's that's all he can achieve now. You know, he, be honest, he's exactly like Roy Keane. He, if you know, you'd kill him to actually even say that. So. You know no one's more disappointed than Joe Schmidt and the squad at the current situation they're in to be fair to' me, like I think it's you know people it can be terrible that they kind of start sharpening knives when you know things don't go the way, and the coach is always an easy one to blame but you know, it's, it's. I think he's right. That's all we can get out of next week. So why not go for it? You know, and um, obviously it's Ireland, England. The lads are going to have a massive drive anyway to perform well. But I think, to be fair, it's a, it's an awful awesome thing to say. But you know, even world ranking points, you have to find some sort of motivation for next week. And. Uh, unfortunately it's not what he or his squad wanted at the start but he is just wiping it clean and setting a new goal for the weekend and I don't fault him for that
1: i what you said uh, about the Welsh players you bumped into during the week there I would imagine that's what the Irish squad are going to be like this week they're going to be hurting so bad they're going to be reading a lot about how bad they were how they let the country down and the amount of hurt they're going to go into this England game with I just really hope it's channeled in a positive manner and like there's so much riding on this England game so they're going for the world record they're obviously going for the grand, second grand slam in a row and um, they're coming to Dublin Uh, me and Andy were chatting about the stats before we came on air and uh, England have won is it uh, seven of the last eight or six of the last seven six of
0: the last seven since the 2011 game
1: yeah so they're going to be backing themselves there's nothing better than a cocky England team coming to Dublin Uh, Ben Teo angle adds an extra bit of spice with the Leinster lads knowing him and the fact is Ireland have two choices they win this game they finish on a high everyone's saying good things about them again um, they lose this game uh, half the team has gone away in the Lions hopefully half the team maybe a third of the team after last week and um, they don't get to come back together to play a meaningful game until November uh, and put it right it, it's it's <laughs> You know, you can't put into words how important this game is for the lads, and I really hope that if anyone bumps into the Irish lads this week, they have that that look that Bigger and Alan Jones and the guys you you bumped into Dunners have, and they have that level of hurt and and ferocity, and they carry it into the England game and and can can carry off a special win.
0: It, It is strange looking at it because since the World Cup, you've got a sort of a divergence of fortunes here where England got their arses handed to them and then go out and beat. Uruguay in their last game and they don't lose since then they've won every single game Ireland lose to Argentina and since then we've won 8 last 7 drawn 1 it's like the picture of inconsistency where you can turn up really well beat the All Blacks in a famous win you know perform reasonably um, again the same autumn do really well against Australia and then you know the game descended into weirdness with all those injuries but then you're just getting this patchiness in the Six Nations like where do you think this team is?
1: Yeah I mean it's hard to say like it's after say France it was like they're building nicely Mm. and you know this is a nice lead into the Wales game and then we're going for the championship and then something like Wales happens where the last 20 minutes they they just don't have that killer instinct to win and that kind of inconsistency is killing them I I know it for a fact I know that Joe prides himself on consistency in performance and consistency in performance leads to wins and doing the right things every game leads to wins but international rugby is such small margins and Ireland know that they're only going to be judged on their performances on the last game they played forget about the two Six Nations they won two years ago the only thing people are going to be focusing on is the last game and this year's Six Nations and where they finish and uh, like I said it just adds so much spice to the game this weekend and finishing hopefully second in the table and finishing in a reasonably decent spot
0: So that subject of consistency was something that Rory Best was asked about after the Ireland-Wales game
3: um, look, it's obviously hugely frustrating to to lose those, those couple of games, but I think the difference now is that you know when we talk about consistency, maybe four or five years ago, it was really good performance, really poor performance, really good performance. really poor, Whereas you know we've got a, a reasonable level of consistency, and we just make a couple of on our on our slightly off days, we just make a couple of silly unforced errors, which at this level are massive. Um, you know we we. A few opportunities to score there, and, and we either didn't convert them through, for example, the mall try, or else simple knock-ons that you know, and they they cost you um, dearly. So, look, in terms of consistency, we always strive to be better, and we always try to to win the next moment. But I think, in terms of overall performances, we, we do get a reasonable level. It's just those those silly little mental errors.
1: Based on, on what Bestie was saying, there is they're they're relatively happy with their performance level and they know they're performing well enough to beat the top teams and, and win at international level but at the end of the day it comes down to results and they know that And uh, Re-
0: Results on mistakes though I mean you're in danger of making Henshaw into a scapegoat here but it was for a Joe Schmidt team that was an amazing error to make right in front of the referee and in that situation
1: Yeah and it comes back to the but detail thing plan.
4: Like it is, it's it's a penalty every time. But I wonder if you'd another referee that isn't Wayne Barnes, a, a, a lawyer by trade that looks to the letter of the law every time. You watch the English game back and you see their Maltry and Haskell is behind Launchbury. Two of them, like uh, Kev, if you can describe it better, two men in the boat, you know, that kind of penalty for blocking and not leaving access to the jumper. That's a penalty, but they score off it because the ref doesn't pick it up. You know, stuff Don't get me
1: started on Wayne Barnes <laughs>
4: Yeah, yeah. 100% it's a penalty, he's right he, he, Robbie comes in But you know that's what I'm talking about The things that go your way And I, I, I just think we were unlucky I think people are being overly harsh On both Joe and the squad I think they're really looking for a post-mortem Here to dig deeper And I don't think that's the case I think the lads are hurting I do think they went out to perform And if you watch it from the 65th minute on you know, there was, the game was in the grass, and, it, and we were playing the rugby to win the game. And I just think we, it, it kills me to say it, but I think we were unlucky. It didn't go our way, which is really unfortunate. But people are trying to dig deeper and look for more in it. 100%. I personally, myself, I think we could have used our squad better within the Six Nations. But no one's hurting like the lads in the room, and I. You know, I think um, that's a perfect example for me. 100% it's a penalty. It's right to the letter of the law. But in another Six Nations game, another referee interprets it it totally different. I I, I disagree. Like Wayne Barnes, when he listened to him back, he said that the mall had stopped and Robbie Henshaw propels it forward. It, It doesn't. You know, Rory and Ian are moving forward. They would have scored if Robbie didn't hit the mall. So. maybe the only lesson to learn from that is backs should stay well away from men's work
0: you know yeah I backed that one to the hills (laughs) I was always told get out of there you're just going to you're going to do nothing good and only bad things can happen
1: yeah it's uh, it's very true I think uh, we used to tell the to F off, and they came any near anywhere in next night near our malls in Leinster. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it says a lot about Robbie's intent. Like he's like an unbelievably physical player, do anything for the team. But just yeah. obviously made a mistake in this scenario. Yeah. But just going back to what Donners was saying, like the fact is, you, you lose. You're playing at the top of your game. You're playing international standard. You lose. It's going to be a witch hunt. Like, and and the, the lads know and accept that. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. But to, to Donica's point about there, in fairness, to, in fairness to Wayne Burns. It's a penalty, right? And if we're we're giving out about other teams getting away with it, the other team shouldn't get away with it. Like you're going in in front of the ball carrier in that situation. It's a
1: penalty. Yeah, listen, as much as I'd love to blame Wayne Barnes, because I greatly dislike him. Yeah, no, no, um, but hold
0: hold on to that point, actually. So this comes up every time Ireland play um, against against Wayne Barnes. they They
1: literally play against him.
0: Explain to me why there'd be that perception of a player that he's difficult for Ireland to play with.
1: I don't know he he just tends to those marginal decisions he tends to go against Ireland and like I've I try and Take my bias out when I watch it, but the bias is just growing all the time. Every time I watch him referee Ireland, I know it's going to be tricky. And like you can look at the penalty count and say ten four, but like that's been the case in every game Ireland played, and yeah. they've been they're so disciplined. But just a couple of key decisions. The fact he didn't go back and have a look at the forward pass for Wales' first try as well. That's the very first pass in the move. Have a look. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At least what have you got to lose by going back and have a look? Like immediately I saw it as like that forward, and you didn't even have a look. I, I just think little things like that but Again, like Ireland aren't going to blame. Him, we can't blame. him. The fact is, like Robbie doesn't go in there. We score the try, and there's no issue. So it's yeah. our actions. You got you got to you got to look out for there.
4: I'd hate for that to even be seen as a mistake out of Robbie. I thought it was brilliant. He was brilliant on on Friday night. I thought even after that incident, he went he went uh, you know bunks and ball on the ground, is scrapping around, and he's the first on it. It just showed his want and and desire to to win and hitting that mall he hits it with everything he has and the only spot he can hit it unfortunately Wayne Barnes and it's always my frustration sh- with Wayne Barnes he's always right it's to the letter of the law and, but I, I think we're scoring there anyway and I, I would hate it if Robbie's blamed for caring and wanting us to score you know I think he had a super game and unfortunately you know an incident like that and I hate that about um, any sport even when it comes to penalties and soccer that something can be you know blamed on one individual you know and um, I think it's an unfair way to go about it I do think you know there was opportunities for us to win it and if you look at that you know that scrum on the Seventy fourth minute, I would have, you know, I would, you know, fifty nine. Just leave our pack at it. With someone like Wayne Barnes, he's the type of referee that could give a penalty try there. You know, I've, and the way our front row had been going, bringing on Keane there, and you've you've Jack, you've uh, Tyg doing a great job. I, I would like to see us really go for that.
0: So, message is, good game, Robbie, but stay away from things you might not understand. Um, When we come back, we will talk about England's demolition of Scotland at Twickenham.
1: The Hard Yards on Sports Joe, backed by Ladbrokes.
0: So we're back. England 61 Scotland twenty one, and it didn't seem as close as that, Kev.
1: No, England were good, and I think after about ten minutes, everyone knew it was going to be a cricket score, and that was with Scotland having fifteen men on the pitch, despite the fact that there's no doubt in my mind they should have fourteen. Um, horrendous tackle by Fraser Brown in the second minute. I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, how at this stage you can make a mistake like that. Um, what
0: does what, that get put down? Is that the guy's been too amped up, too revved up? like
1: like the fact is you have time when you lift the player up you have time to think about right what do I do next you Two choices, three choices. You can put them down gently, you can drop them, or you can drive them into the ground. And the only the third one's going to get you a red card. The second one might get you uh, the the dropping one might get you a yellow card. But I have to say, I I thought that kind of set the tone for Scotland. They were sloppy. They were so disappointing, and they just didn't seem like their heads were in it. Which is pretty astounding considering they were still in in, in the hunt and uh, you know it was a cock cut a cup and there were a lot of things to play for but they did not look like their heads were in the game and I know England were great but I I think Scotland made it easy for them to a certain extent
0: Hmm. Um, Dunnick I mean Scotland were poor they had some injury trouble of themselves during the game but England were really really good I mean everything they tried came off what do you think was the difference in England going into that game
4: yeah, I think England were clinical. I think uh, they got reward from uh, kind of doing their homework. And you know what? Coming into the kind of second last game, you've seen the teams, and you know in the other games beforehand, you've seen how they're defending or what systems they're using and of maybe set piece and stuff like that. So I think to be fair. Eddie Jones and his team off the pitch did an incredible job because they scored an awful lot of tries off um, kind of first strikes, you know, line out, um, you know, and then just the backs, you know, doing whatever they do, but just getting scores out of it. I think you're right, though, Andy. I think I think Scotland came out to play England, and you know, it it thought it was you know like another scene out of Braveheart. I think they just. They were too emotional. They were too wound up. I think you're right. I think that should have been, um, you know, maybe you know, more, maybe more than just a, a yellow card that tackle earlier on. But just all through the game, it was just like you can see toji laughing at them at some points, and 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 that's the fear for me for next week. That everyone builds it up for such a big game to stop England. We 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 need to beat England because we're better, you know, technically, and we've. Better systems and that we can perform better, but if we go into this emotional type game you know i I, I don't think we'll get any reward out of it. I think we'll get exactly what Scotland got. I think we've to put massive emphasis on our process and and our game plan and and really executing that and you know obviously when it comes to collision, there is you know the the history and everything that goes into an Ireland England game but that's not going to win yep. it and I think Scotland went out with that as plan A we hate England and they had nothing else and you're right they were down injuries going into it and then to lose such key players early in the game but it was nearly all over after you know 13 minutes, they're 13 nil up and to be fair England hadn't even fired a punch at that point yet
1: yeah, just going back to what Dunne was saying there about next week Like, I think the gloves are going to come off in the Viva, I think uh, Ireland are going to analyse the times during this championship when England have been uncomfortable against Wales and Cardiff and against Italy in Twickenham and I think they might employ a combination of tactics but they're going to do everything to unsettle England. I think about England's psychology going into this game just one more win we got the record, just one more win we got the Grand Slam and a little bit about what Joe was talking about is cr- a couple of areas, a couple of things go against how you think they'll go and pressure builds and that's what they want in the England mindset build pressure get them doubting themselves a little bit um, in terms of England's mindset they're going to go in they're going to go after Ireland's line Um and they're going to try and force mistakes and I think um, I think we'll see Peter Armani coming into the Irish line to try and improve things there and I think uh, Ireland are going to need, need to be incredibly accurate in what they do so in
0: terms of England's mindset straight after the game, we have Dylan Hartley and Eddie Jones both talking to BBC.
2: Eddie, you retain the Six Nations title with a game to spare. You equal New Zealand's world record of 18 victories. How proud are you right now?
3: Oh, well, you yeah, our focus is, is already on Ireland. You know, we want, to beat, we want to win the Grand Slam. It's a chance to make history. You know, no one's ever won a, a back-to-back Grand Slams in the in the Six Nations history. There's I think there's only four in the history of Five Nations and Six Nations. So this is a, a once in a life opportunity, and, and certainly we're pleased to be Six Nations champion. But the Grand Slam is something you know we're really uh, looking forward to. It Doesn't feel
5: right. Doesn't feel real um, until we finish next weekend. Um, that's when it will be real. All our focus is on that game now. But look, um, Chuffed a bit. What a, what a performance from the guys today. Uh, we put pressure on ourselves to, to to put a performance in to start well. I mean, you guys have been banging the drum about us not starting well, so I think we answered a few critics here, which is good. Um, but it means nothing unless we perform next week and, uh, and win in Dublin.
0: That's setting a target. You've yeah. won the Six Nations. You had it won before half-time in your second-last game. And the target is it means nothing unless they come over here and beat Ireland.
1: Yeah I have to say I respect that I like the way they behave there and like the way they're they are so focused and they're signaling their intent straight away and that's done for a reason that's done well, the way Eddie Jones is talking there and his, his somber tone is like his players are going to hear that that's the exact way he would have speaking in the change room he would have said lads no pat ourselves on the back yet. We've still got a massive job to do the bigger challenges next week. That's all he would have said after the game. Um, and he's echoing that in the media. And uh, I like that mindset. I think uh, it, it it speaks of winners. And it speaks of a team that's incredibly focused on, on dominating world rugby, which is which is a scary tour for next week.
4: But, <laughs> Kevin, he, the English squad and Eddie Jones aren't talking about that since... Saturday, they're chatting about that since the World Cup, and when he came in, and it's, it's, you know, you get a bit of insight when I chat to Benny a bit, but he has been talking to them since he first met them about them being the greatest team in the world. And you can laugh at it, and I'll, I'll never forget uh, Keith Wood when he came into when we were goal setting, and I was young, and he came into a monster set up, and we were goal setting, and he said, Win the European Cup, and everyone burst out laughing. and We, th- we thought it was hilarious, and the Woody was a, 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 a lunatic. But that's what Eddie Jones has come in and said, and now the lads are reaping the rewards and starting to see it and, and the, the the goal and the task isn't finished I, I, what they set out after that World Cup was to be the best team in the world now they have an opportunity to do that and I think that's when England are really really dangerous I honestly believe if we like I said to you, if we try to play them emotionally we'll get what Scotland got we have to be better than them technically and uh, on the pitch we have to bring the emotion to us like Wales brought but there's a balance in actingism we need. This is a perfect week for Joe. Um, you know, this is a week for detail. And England got reward against Scotland for having the right plays and patterns and strike moves. And that's what we need this week. So, um, you know, it isn't. It, it isn't like they said straight after the match. Okay, now we've an opportunity to be the best team in the world. I think he's. He, it, to be fair, he's done an incredible job, Eddie Jones, of of setting that out from the minute he walked in that door. And you chat to Benny that's what they're about now. They're about being the best team in the world and uh, let's hope their drive to achieve that can't be greater than ours to stop them, you know?
0: So we've been here before, not a million years ago, 2011. Donica, you played the whole game, I think, when England were on the march, coming to Dublin, looking for the Grand Slam. They hadn't quite won the Six Nations, but they'd almost wrapped it up and they ended up winning it anyway, but Ireland won. So when you look back to then... Do you did did you see an Ireland team then that was preparing in that manner or do you reckon there was a, a lot of emotion there as well?
4: I'd be honest for me in that game it was about stopping England but I don't think that's good enough for this this type of team I don't I think those days are probably gone out of rugby it was good to see it with Wales it made me glad to see that you know, want is the key element for me in sport, and Wales wanted and needed to win at the weekend. So, um, you know, that's going to come into play. Like you could question, do Ireland want to stop Is stop England doing that, or is England's drive for something that they set out after that World Cup to, um, you know, make history and 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 drive on and really become the best in the world? Is there their want for a greater? But. Uh, you, you go back to that match in 11 for me it was about stopping England but I don't think that's good enough this weekend I think we need to be technically sound that's always there Andy you know you play England in any sport you you want to beat them but I think um, like I said to you it's a week for Joe and, and Simon and Greg Feek and Andy Farrell to really do their homework the players will be ready but just um you know, I think uh, it, it's a massive, big week, but I, I, I actually I think this is going to be really tough. I honestly, you know, I, 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 the way England are coming into it, I just think they're going to be really, really hard to stop. I would, I, 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 don't like calling next week. I want us to win. My heart wants us to win, but I, I, I think it's going to be so, so tough.
0: Kev, do you see any changes? I mean, is there a freshness? We talked about it earlier on. Is there a freshness that perhaps is needed in some positions here?
1: yeah so I think Pete will come in. I think the like the focus will be back on the line out again this week. I think okay. we've gotten away with having two kind of ball carrying back rowers rather than flankers rather than than out operators, but generally what you have and what makes Dev's life a lot easier is having like a line out background what a line out background means I was one of them Pete is the one in there at the moment is someone who actually does their homework and line outs focuses on the line outs does a lot of work with Dev one on one and and with Dunika Ryan and the three of them will work together and what Dev has had for the last few weeks is him and Dunika Ryan have been owning the line out you bring Pete in there and he'll do his homework on the defence side Um, he'll help Dev out with the the attack he'll talk to Dev about different options um, based on the way England defend and like that takes the pressure off Dev when he's calling Um, and it'll add an extra weapon in our line out and Obviously, besides all, all the other things Pete brings, who he comes in for, I don't know. It's take your There. I mean, they've all played great rugby over the course of the tournament. Um, it's hard to see Stander getting taken out, so mm. it's going to be a tricky decision for Joe, but I think it's a decision that has to be made. So if Stander
0: stays in, then it's Heaslip or O'Brien, two very, very, very big names in the context of Ireland and Lions. One of them could lose
1: out. Yeah, it, it's going to be a really interesting decision to see what he goes with. Um, Donica?
4: I—I'll I, be honest, personally, at this point, I—I I do think, um, you know, we should have used the squad more. But where we are this week, I don't think you can. I think Rob Holy got reward for backing his players. They played for him this week because he—he—he he, he went out for them by selecting them, and they rewarded him with his performance. I think, I think, if Joe was to do the same, I think he'd get the same response, guys. Know that he has every reason to leave guys out of the the, the team, but I think I think it would galvanise the whole squad. And um, if he backs them, he's you know he's backed them all six nations. It's it's one game to go, but I think um, I'd be honest. I'd leave the team as it is. I do agree with Kev with the the lineouts, but I think an awful lot of that comes back on Dave. You look at at, at Paulie when his work when he used to do it. You know every. You know, throughout the course of the Six Nations he used to change the line-out calls he used to change triggers, he'd actually come in with new line-outs and maybe that's for Simon Easterby and the line-out leaders to have different options, obviously it doesn't help Rory in, in his quest for pushing for lines but that's an area that definitely needs work and, and sometimes it's no harm to have a new menu within the Six Nations and uh, um, yeah I, I, uh, personally, I I think the squad could, could have been used greater throughout the Six Nations. But at this point in time, I, I think we should go with the same team.
0: So, next week, um, England obviously looking for the Grand Slam. Uh, Ireland are looking to finish in the top half of the table. Um, but there's also a, a lot of Lions stuff going on in the background here. I've, England's win over Scotland like a performance like that could have put a lot of players onto the plane who might have been um, you know 50-50 let's say with a Scotland counterpart how big is this weekend coming to someone like Jonathan Joseph versus Gary Ringrose?
1: Yeah it's huge Uh, I think the weekend from a Lions perspective on top of other things couldn't have gone worse for Ireland because I think uh, Gats when he's picking a squad will always have red tinted glasses on <laughs> um, I think he's always going to gonna go for a Wales guy who's familiar with if it's a 50-50 call and this was 15 on 15 Ireland versus Wales kind of both teams top 15 players and you know Wales got on top in most areas it would have to be said the, the
0: back row now is one which certainly the Welsh Welsh back row stood up
1: yeah and one I would have expected Ireland's back row like on paper like who are the three back rows you want? You want He Slip Standard and O'Brien every time and uh, the fact that Warren who's been quiet for quite a long time now, came in and had his best game. He always seems to peak in Lions season and he's coming good like so this weekend's huge. It just adds another level of spice that I didn't talk about earlier to this game in that Ireland lose this weekend against England and if they lose comprehensively, a lot of guys who were right in the mix for Lions are gonna come out and it's gonna it's gonna make Warren Gatlin's decisions a lot easier. Because
0: right now, who have you got Is nailed on? You've got Conor Murray and Jonathan Texner, nailed on. Uh, McGrath and Furlong.
1: Yeah, uh, Best is nailed on. Yeah. Uh, outside of that. The,
0: the lock situation is an absolute lottery. There are yeah, so many good locks. There
1: are so many good locks. There are so many good back rowers. I yeah. mean, it, it's going to depend on what mood. Like The only thing I can say with certainty is that like there'll be a strong contingent of Welsh and English. Like the Welsh and English are gonna make up the majority of the of the Lions squad at this point because of Gatlin's tendency to go for Welsh players and because England are just so good at the moment.
0: Yeah, Donega, who do you see um you know, nice little battles on next week for, for a Lions jersey?
4: Yeah, I think you're right. I think there was there was guys definitely I think Walburton This weekend, like, I was thinking about it. The Welsh lads don't have much opportunity. And last week was their chance. It was their final trial. Because, unfortunately, maybe the Ospreys guys will make the Pro 12 semis and finals. But they're out of Europe, so their regions have no other opportunity. Fortunately for us, we do have... Two teams in the quarterfinals of Europe, so they they get another chance to probably show. But if you were an Ulster boy, you know this is probably your last chance, bar maybe something in the Pro 12 semis and and, and finals. So. I think um, a lot of guys in, in the Welsh camp did put their hand up to... Um, and I think Walburton put his hand up for Skipper, I'll be honest with you. I think Alan Wynne-Jones put himself on the plane again. Not that you'd ever question it, but I think, like he said, that position is really competitive. But um, I think it's, it's, it's going to be... Um, you know, there's a lot of time out before lines, but this is some guys' last chance and it's some guys in the English set-up that, you know, their their, um, clubs mightn't be in the knockout stages of both Europe or the Premiership and it's their chance to have their last go and I think you know, guys. Last week knew that, and that's why. That's why when you see guys like Alan and Jones, and when you see guys like Sam Walburton, that's why they're sick. You know, because you know their their big dream could be dre- could be dashed. And uh, I think that hopefully is the case for you know the likes of our back row and and some of our players this week.
0: So here's hoping you see a lot of white faced. Irish players around the town looking a bit down in the dumps and ashing. Um, we'll let Dunica go and next we'll be back with Haley O'Connor from Ladbrooks.
1: The Hard Yards on Sports Joe, backed by Ladbrooks.
0: Welcome Hayley O'Connor from Ladbrooks.
2: Hi, how's it going?
0: It's going, it's going okay. We've talked our way through the emotional, you know, <laughs> the wallowing in the defeat. Um, so now we're looking forward. So Ireland against England, what is the spread currently?
2: Well, I think last week uh, when I was speaking to you, we thought Ireland would be favourites, and like you know, with the England with a, a point advantage, um, and it, obviously it's different now after our defeat in Cardiff. So Ireland um, are five to four, England uh, price now at four to six, and I anticipate they could, depending what happens with the injuries. Um, could get shorter. Like if, if Murray and Sexton don't line up, they're definitely going to get narrower in the vetting. Um, you can back England minus two at even, well they're 10 to 11 now on Wednesday, they'll probably be even money. Um, but our kind of main concern now is that the, the, they're going to get very, very strong for the Grand Slam. Um, I think um, Jonathan Joseph was saying he's going to treat the match like a, a World Cup match. So uh, like England really, really want to win this. If they win back-to-back Grand Slams I think they're the first team to do it since the five nations as opposed to six nations but we're actually going to take on England because we think despite what's happened Ireland are still a very very difficult team to beat at home so or maybe we're just uh, feeling patriotic
0: On Paddy's weekend patriotic. Two two (laughs) points Kev
1: does it seem like a two point game? I think it's about right. Personally I think Ireland are going to win I think they'll just have enough I think they'll channel the passion and ferocity hopefully into an accurate performance and unsettle England and put doubts in their head and it's going to be a very very close game yeah
0: Lions we did talk about Lions um, places earlier on but what do uh, what do you guys see who's on the plane
2: well it's a, there's been a big shake up with the Lions. we've suspended the batting until we know what's gonna happen um in terms of injuries and and all of this, but we you know at the last time we touched on the Lions, like a lot of the Irish players were odds on to make the starting uh line up um but before Friday you know we but since Friday, like the likes of stander O'Brien, Heaslip, Murray sexton um you know they were all second best to their Welsh opponents, so they're obviously going to be you know like l- less less likely to make that starting sign. But we think the certainties are definitely going to be on Farrell, um Murray, although uh, Young and Webb are putting pressure on that uh, number nine shirt furlong. Uh Stuart Hogg, who he was unfortunate to to haven't played the full game, but um he's looking very strong. The likes of Alan uh, Al um Jones, uh, Jonathan Joseph came back with a massive comeback with his uh, hat trick sexton. But you know, um Sexton for number 10 or Farrell for, for number 12 or Farrell for, for number 10 so um, we think that those are going to be the most likely and then every else is going to be extremely competitive
0: Sound about right?
1: Yeah, sounds about right I think like in places like the second row and the back row there's just so many options and so many different ways that Warren Gallant could go and it'd be hard to argue with him there's so much quality there and like I just hope he takes off those red tinted glasses when he makes some of those big decisions (laughs) (laughs) maybe buys a a pair of St. Patrick's sunglasses instead with green tint (laughs) when he's making some (laughs) of yeah so so you're saying there's a chance (laughs) exactly exactly
0: Um, where are you after tomorrow?
2: I'm off to Cheltenham tomorrow. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. Any,
0: any tips for us poor idiots?
2: Um, yeah. Well, I was doing it today on Tuesday. I really like the look of a horse called Petty Mouchoir um, in the Champion Hurdle. Um, I think some people who've been looking at the race have those red tinted glasses. They can't. They're looking at the, the English horses, but I think he's he's done a lot more than than he, he should. He actually probably should be a lot shorter in the betting. Um, so I like the look of him. There's a hopefully a, a mare called Early Beach lines up in the Supreme Novices um, I like the look of her I'm going to put th- everything I have uh, within reason uh, which is a very small amount on under so um, during the week uh, and I think for if you're going to have a bit of crack in the in the Gold Cup, which is the finale of the meeting on the Friday, something like Champagne West at a big price. Um, it's a really open uh, field, so I'm just bracing myself for four days of madness. Who's <laughs> favourite
1: for the Gold Cup this year?
2: Um, a horse called Q Who he is, the he actually the first time he ran at Shetland was the first year I worked in Labrooks, which was like seven years ago. So that's a really long career that he's had, but uh, he's 11 at this point. So. So a lot of people saying he's over the hill and i think he's probably that price because of the affection he has the uh, the Pub- public's uh, affection mm. I don't think he's got um, a chance in that Willie Mullins like he's never won the race before he's got Don Cossack who's come second twice um, but I just think give something like it's it's a kind of a chance he raced this one so something like Outlander um, might have a good chance he won the Lexus and that's a really good uh, stepping stone so um, I wouldn't say go with, go, go with any of the favourites in the Gold Cup I'd okay. say have an each way bet at one of the big prices because it's a really strange race That's
1: what I've been doing wrong the last few years. (laughs) (laughs) So this is basically your Glastonbury,
0: isn't it?
2: The, my personal glass yeah. Uh, yeah no it's it's really good fun um, every year there's something different about going to Cheltenham and uh, like you know it's it's a really magical place if you've never been and everyone talks about the Cheltenham Roar like the first race you can't the grandstand is like shaking and you can't hear the commentator for the first couple of furlongs and um, there's lots of colourful characters couple of weirdos couple of celebrities <laughs> yeah. like Jordan some royal family you know it, like it, it's brilliant I remember like when my claim to fame was I was doing an interview on the track you know and they showed on the televisions and uh, there was a bit of delay so it was like a five minute delay and I was walking past the royal box and then I could see my face on the screen and I was like oh my god the royals could be watching me like they probably weren't but I was like technically they could actually see me on tv so I was delighted with that but it's it's a brilliant place and actually the Irish have just really excelled in it over the past few years I think we 14 winner 14 Irish winners is the most we've had who knows what's going to happen uh, this time round? but um, yeah, it's electric.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm all for going, oh, we can end this on an, a week of <laughs> Ireland hopefully excelling in every way.
5: Yeah.
2: You
1: know, on every field. Uh, I,
0: I do note that Kev was writing down all your tips there.
5: Oh
2: God, I'll be held to account the next time I'm in. It's thank
1: after you. the last three years miserable Cheltenham's for me. So I know nothing about horse racing but I'd like a punt at Cheltenham. I yeah,
2: yeah, I think everybody does. It's that time yeah. of year.
1: It is. Right, we'll wrap it up. Uh, Kevin Glachman, thank you very much. Cheers Andy.
0: Thank you. Hayley O'Connor from Ladbrokes.
2: Thank you now but maybe not next. <laughs> <laughs> so the next
0: Sunday be different um, thank you of course to Dunningo Gallaghan for dialing in Joe Harrington is our producer and Shane Dempsey is on sound get in touch by tweeting any of us or at sportshow.ie and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Soundcloud or through your favourite podcasting app this has been The Hard Yards I am Andy McGeady thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week
1: The Hard Yards brought to you by Ladbrokes passionate about sport